just so grateful for your presence. We just thank you, Lord, that we can just, um, just lean into your goodness here this morning for what you're wanting to do in this moment in our lives and through our lives. We're just so grateful for um, just the testimony that Sean shared just in terms of Rich and even as he is caught up in that accident, that he's uh, at home now resting up, getting ready to go with the family and just enjoy a break next week. And we just thank you that everyone was protected and 20 cars being taken out, there were no lives taken. So we just thank you for that. And we just pray for the driver and um, just his family. We just pray your peace. We just pray, Lord, that you just minister to him, even as I know that he's a believer and got the chance to pray with him and his family. We just pray just your covering over them at this time as well, his mind, his thoughts in every area, that your peace would go beyond understanding. And we just pray your, um, your goodness just to be made manifest in his life and family as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, arriving at the, the scene, had the opportunity to obviously... Um, engage with Rich. He was in the ambulance by that time. They were checking to see if he was all right. And then, uh, yeah, just the owners of the company who part of Harvest came in. And uh, I was wondering why they were there to help and then realized. And so we were able to pray with Rich and just them. And obviously the driver, him and his family are believers. And so um, just see God's hand protecting through what could have been a horrific moment. So we're just grateful for that. But Richard said to me earlier, he wished we had streaming, he would be streaming it, but he is um, at home, they're getting ready to go on holiday together, so he's fine. This morning we prayed for him, and we forgot to say he's fine, and we had a lot of distraught people after the message. No wonder no one listened to what I was preaching, so I'm trusting for a little bit more uh, awareness this morning. I wanted to start off with a story, as I, as I usually like to do. It was about a man who was standing in front of his mirror. Um, some of us men like to do that, particularly at the gym. But this man was standing in front of his mirror in the nude at home. And uh, <laughs> he was not happy with what he was seeing. So he said to his wife, you know, I feel horrible. I, I feel like I look old. I feel like I look flabby. I feel like I look a little bit um, um, fat and unattractive. I need you just to pay me a compliment. To which she thought for a few minutes and then she responded, well, I just want to compliment your eyesight because it's 100%. <laughs> I want to start off with that because when we come to God's Word, it says we don't want to look at His Word and then forget what we see, um, but we want, to be apply, we want to apply it to our lives. And today I'm going to pick up on this thing about asking questions, but where Jesus is asking questions of us, even as this man asked a question of his wife. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 5, verse 3 to 6, and I've got it up on the screens in the New King James Version. And I'm wanting to talk, to talk about embracing transition how Jesus in this moment is going to teach Peter, um, is just going to take him through a process of embracing transition that's going to position him for future breakthrough and just for future fruitfulness in terms of kingdom advancement. So I'm trusting we're going to get something of that individually, but also corporately here as a body today. Verse 3, talking of Jesus. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, also known as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But nevertheless, such powerful words here, but nevertheless, at your word, will you say that with me? At your word, at your word, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. 
Um, just something to, to be aware of there. Jesus told them to let down the nets. Here we see that he let down the net. I'm going to pick up on that a little bit later as we go further. But in this passage, there's just a couple great truths that I want to pull out, as I've mentioned. I want to look at how they apply to us, and they're on various levels. But there is something profound in what Jesus is doing here with Peter, where he's wanting him to come into this process of transition so that he can come into the much that, uh, that Jesus has for him. And so most of the points I'm going to make today, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to be fully engaged because they're going to be in the form of questions. I'm not wanting to give you answers. I'm wanting to ask you questions so that you can discover your own answer. Just even as Jesus was guiding Peter through this process that the Holy Spirit would just uh, prompt things in your own heart as we ask this question. And uh, the key thing is this. It's about embracing the transition. It's about launching into the deep so that we can come into the fullness of what God has for us, individually, but also corporately. That's what we're going after. Uh, because how many of us know that each of us is in a state of transition? All of us are in a state of transition somewhere, somehow, someplace in our lives. Maybe it's occupationally where things are shifting. Maybe you're nearing retirement age or maybe you're coming out of your studies into employment. Maybe it's relationally where you are building new friendships or that you've been struggling in old friendships. Maybe it's geographically where uh, some of us are locked in and we are part of the I am staying and other ones of us have already moved on in our hearts and we I am gone. I don't, know, I don't put up your hand. Um, maybe it's emotionally where uh, there's all sorts of transition. The emotions are like a roller coaster. Uh, we've all been in those places. Um, what I'm wanting to to see us take hold of today is to find ourselves in the process of the transition, embracing the transition that God has for us and what He's initiating. Not circumstance, not situation, not politicians, not the economy, not uh, friendship circles of people coming or going, but what is God saying and what does that transition look like that we can take hold of? And it's not from a sense of putting any sense of condemnation or striving or we need to be in transition so we can get be better. We touched on last week the beauty of the gospel is this, that there's nothing that you could do to make God love you anymore, and that there's nothing that you might have done that's going to cause Him to love you any less. He loves you perfectly, but in His perfect love for you, He wants to perfectly bring you into the fullness of His purposes and plans for you to be living a fulfilled life. And that's the sort of thing we're talking about in transition. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, like that picture I'd spoken about earlier, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, our being, we're not being left there feeling ugly, fat, unattractive or whatever, we behold the glory of God in a mirror and we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When we see the beauty of who He is in His Word and who He has revealed Himself to be and we start to behold Him and gaze upon Him, we get to be transformed into that same image from glory to glory. And that, that is talking about transformation there. That is speaking about transition. That is speaking about a change that occurs where it's going um, uh, from glory to glory. It's, it's uh, a change for us for our good, but it's for His glory. That's the sort of transition we want to be caught up in. So I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to ask that you would just receive them, that you would wrestle with them, that you would reflect on God, that you would search your own heart, that you would deal with a term. It's called metacognition, quite a big word. What it means is this. It's the awareness of yourself and your own thought patterns where you start to allow Jesus' questions to just provoke understanding around those things. I would ask that it's not just about listening to a sermon here today, but hearing what God is wanting to say to you the questions he's asking you about your faith, 
that as you leave this place, you get to live out. It doesn't matter um, what's uh, finished being said, but it matters what's uh, continuing to outwork in your hearts as, as you step out. And so he, there are going to be a few questions I want to ask, but it starts here. Jesus getting into the boat. He arrives on the shore. There's two boats there, and there's one that's Simon Peter's, and he gets into Simon Peter's boat. And uh, I love this because he was intentionally wanting to do that. He had a purpose already in mind. We're going to see it unfold because he wanted to be involved in uh, Simon Peter's life. He wanted to uh, engage with him. And in the same way as you hear today, I'm wanting to say that Jesus is wanting to engage with you. Jesus is wanting to uh, start to outwork the process that he has for your life. Jesus is, in a sense, wanting to get in the boat because the beauty we see in who he is, he's a God who loves to come alongside. I love that. He's a God who loves to come alongside. Religion would have us believe that he keeps a distance and he shouts at us from the heavens. But the beauty of who the Father is revealed, as we heard Robin Courage us, revealed in Jesus is this. He loves to draw alongside and he loves to be on the journey in working in your life and seeing his goodness outworked along it. So it says here, he asked him, Jesus speaking to Simon Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the multitude from the boat. He wasn't asking for a huge commitment here. He was just saying, we need to understand, Simon's a bit tired, he's been out all night, they've been fishing, and Jesus pitches up and he, just, he doesn't hit him with too much for him to bear. He starts off and he says, can you just put out a little from the land? Not a huge commitment. Uh, can you put out a little and I'm going to teach the multitude. And so, so Peter does that, he's tired, but he launches out. And verse 4 we start to see there's a transition happening. Here's the transition. Here's this process of a transition that needs to be embraced that I want um, us to pick up on here. It starts to happen where it says this, he stopped speaking. There was a moment where it wasn't a huge commitment, just a little bit, just in the shallows, a little bit offshore, and he's teaching, but there's a moment that comes where he stops teaching. And it says this, now, he says to Simon Peter, uh, Simon Peter, now I want you to launch out into the deep and I want you to let your nets down for a catch. Do you see there's a transition? It's a little bit offshore, teaching others, but something shifts. Now I want you to launch out into the deep and I want you to let your nets down for a catch. Jesus is about to push Peter in this moment to somewhere where he's never been before. He's not going to just leave him where he is. He's not going to leave him in his weariness, his tiredness, his failure of catching fish. He's going to push him into something more. You see, Jesus isn't afraid to engage with you in your moment of weariness, discouragement, and disappointment. He's got a purpose in mind, and he'll engage you where you're at so he can bring you into the fullness of what he's seeing for you. And that's, uh, that's what's unfolding here. He wants to take Peter somewhere he's never been before. And we know that he's been in the deep water. That's not what he's talking about here. It's a picture it's a metaphor. It's a story that he's saying, I want you to catch sight of this picture. I want you to go out into the deep. I want you to go out into the expansivity. I want you to go out into the more. I want you to launch from this place. And uh, it's got nothing to do with the boat. It's got nothing to do with fish. It's got nothing to do with nets. I'm wanting us to see a deeper truth of what Jesus is processing with Simon Peter at this moment. And I'm wanting us to see what he's wanting to say to us, where he's encouraging us. I want you to launch out. I want you to go into the depths. I want you to let down the nets because I've got something in store for you that's going to surprise you with my goodness. But it's not only for my goodness to be encountered in your life, but it's for my glory to be seen in and through your life. And so this is the process that's starting to unfold here. And Jesus climbs in the boat and, uh, and he says this. 
just a little bit. Go out just a little bit, Peter. And in the same way, maybe you are being set up at this moment. Maybe Jesus is uh, pitching up in your boat and he's saying, hey, I want you just to go. I know you're a bit tired. No, you're a little bit discouraged. No, you're a little bit disappointed. No, it hasn't worked out just as you thought it would. But I just want you to go out a little bit. I want, you, I want you to know Jesus is never satisfied with just the little bits and the shallow things. It always works out to more and deeper things. Yeah. But he engages with you in the starting point. And so Peter, Peter says, okay, but then there's this moment. Jesus speaks, and in his words, they're living and active. There's power and there's creativity and uh, dunamis, uh, dynamic working of what he's saying, where all of heaven moves in response to his words. And after he's spoken, then he says, now, because something has shifted. Jesus has realized that when Peter has been in the listening, there's something that's taking place. How many of you know? I want you to know this. I want you to know, I'll tell you, that when you sit under God's word, whether you know it or not, there is dynamic power taking place. When you are hearing it, it's starting to work in and upon and through your life. You might not know the change, but there's change that's at work because the Spirit of God moves on assignment when God's word is declared. All of, all of heaven waits in anticipation to see it outworked. And so this is what's happening. And then this transition, it's a, it's a little bit, but now after he hears the word, it's a now moment. Now go. And in the same way, maybe you've been engaging with the little things. Maybe, um, maybe it's just a little bit of encouragement to come to church here today. Maybe it was a little bit of encouragement just to, to get back into a small group or to get back into a serving team. And it's just, a, it's just this little thing. But I want to say we need to see that there's a now transition and process that God is working in your life. So let me just say, here's the first question. I said I was going to bring you questions. Are we ready for questions? Here's the first question. Can you make the transition from listening to launching? Can you make the transition from listening to launching? There's something that's happening here. Initially, he's just asked Peter to listen. Just listen to the word. Just go a little bit offshore and listen to what I've got to say. And uh, he's talking to the multitudes, and it's easy to listen in the multitudes. It's easy to maybe fit into a bigger group and you can move with them and you can hide with them and uh, you can blend in and you can get carried along and it's uh, easy to listen to maybe a, a sermon or might be a podcast or live streaming as uh, Rich was saying. It's easy to fit in with that, um, just to hear the teaching. There's no big commitment there. But Jesus wants something far greater in your life and mine. And he's asking this question because he doesn't want us just to enter in just to the easy with the crowd, with the multitude. He doesn't us just want to be, us to be caught up in the simple. He doesn't want us to be caught up in just that um, apathy of, of being carried along. A lot of believers today, and I'm, I'm saying this not in condemnation. I'm saying this as a, as a provocation and encouragement to speak courage to people's lives. Are happy just to be uh, caught up um, just a little bit offshore, just uh, in the shallows. I'll just be one of the crowd, and we're happy to be there. But Jesus doesn't want us to be there. He's wanting us to be caught up in the deeper things, the, the greater things, the more of what he's wanting. And he's calling us to that place. And uh, you wonder, what is Peter listening to as Jesus is preaching? And Jesus is starting to declare something, and he's been tired and weary, but something's starting to take place within Peter as he hears these words of life. And I wonder if Jesus is saying something similar to what I'm encouraging with us, us with this morning. And maybe it's what was written in James 1.22. The Passion Translation says it this way. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. Want to move from listening to launching. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, 
for that is the essence of self-deception. Then it continues to say, so always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. Let his word outwork in your life. Let, it, let there be a fulfillment of his word in and through your life. Uh, it's that picture of don't look in the mirror and just walk away and forget, but look in that mirror and apply what you see. Allow that change to come. Don't just be hearers, be doers of the word. Here's, in this passage, it's saying don't just listen, but it's saying allow there to be a fulfillment. Are we coming and just listening to God's word and his promises and what he's revealing about his character and his nature and his person? Are we just listening? Are we experiencing the fulfillment of that which he says? Do we come and we just, do we just want to hear and listen to how he healed and how he brought breakthrough and how he brought deliverance and how he restored and how he redeemed? Or is there something in our hearts that says, Lord, I don't want to just hear something. It's not a history lesson, but I'm wanting inspiration out of, that comes out of intimacy that I can experience something more of you here today. I want to be surprised by your goodness because I know you're good, but you are surprisingly better than I think. Are you willing just to listen or is there something that no, I, want to, I, want to exp- I want it to be fulfilled? in my experience of who he is. You see, there's something of this hunger, that this, this call into the deeper. Luke 5, verse 4. When he finished speaking, he asked him to launch out. Turn to someone and say, launch out. How many times do we hear a sermon, but we don't launch out? And that's the encouragement that's coming here. But here's the challenge. Um, the, the launching out doesn't always make sense. Peter, in this moment, this doesn't make sense to him. He's, he's been in this moment. He's already done that. It doesn't make sense. He, he doesn't want to go out beyond his comfort zone again because he's been, as I've said, uh, discouraged. And maybe you're in that place where you've tried it before. You know, you've gone there before. You, you've given it a go before. And this transition isn't easy. But there's something about, now I've got to apply my faith again. Let's read from verse 4. It says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. This doesn't make sense. We've done this before. We've tried. We've been there. We've been in that spot that you're speaking about. There's nothing happening. But here's the beauty. Nevertheless, I I want to encourage you to have a never the less space and embrace of transition in your life for what God's wanting to do. You don't want to do it based off your past experience, but you need to be embracing that and say, nevertheless, at your word, be it at your word, I will let down the net. That's the encouragement. And so here's the second question I want to bring to us this morning is, can you make the transition? Here it is. Brace up. Can you make the transition from launching out to letting down? Can you make the transition from launching out into the deep to letting down your nets? It's a big transition to make, and I'm not able to answer it for you, but you need to discover that because launching out is great. I don't know if you've been out on Durban Harbor getting in that speedboat when uh, hopefully there are not too many waves. I've punched one before. I lost my cap. We went through the lip of the wave. Launching out can be adrenaline-filled. It can be fun. It can be great. Uh, But let me tell you, you can sail around out there beyond backline all day long, and it's got no purpose. It's pointless unless you drop the nets. And many of us are, are keen to, to launch out, but we're terrified to, to drop the nets. And uh, this is the challenge that's coming. This is the, Jesus is saying, uh, I'm going to make you not just fishers of 
fish. You're going to be fishers of men. You're going to bring people into the kingdom. There's a purpose in your launching out. I'm wanting you to realize that as I'm taking you through this transition, that it's not only going to benefit your life, but your life will be a benefit to others because you're going to be able to bring them uh, to encounter me. But it's only going to happen when you let down aspects of your life, parts of who you are, things that I've empowered and equipped you with. It's not just so you can walk around high and mighty and haughty, but it's so that you can let down the net so that others can encounter my goodness. Some of us are terrified to even hint that we go to church because we think that everyone here is weird. We are. We are weird and peculiar, and it's wonderful. People need to encounter this sort of weird and wonderful. Not all sorts of weird and wonderful. Just. And he's asking this question, and it's, uh, it's this thing of, are you going to cast out your nets? And uh, there's a question, even within the question, is, um, it's being jolted within, within Peter's heart is, um, why do you need to make sense of that which you can't make sense of? Why, cannot you, why can you not just trust me? You see, Peter's in this place where he's the fisherman and Jesus is a carpenter. And it's like, how dare you come, get into my boat, tell me to push, push off a little bit, and then to go and try and find uh, a place to fish and tell me to go to the very place that I've been. I haven't only been out on the water all day. I've fished the entire night, and I've known the temperatures. I've known the, the points where the eddies are, where the, the food will be going around. I've known where the structure is. I've known uh, everything you can know around fishing, and I've caught nothing. It's not going to happen. The fish are not on the bite. But then he says to Jesus, but nevertheless, you see, it doesn't make sense. And sometimes what he's calling us to do, it doesn't make sense. We cannot wrap our minds around it. But I, I don't know about you, but I've begun to, I've begun to discover uh, in my faith journey um, with Jesus in the different areas of my life that where he's calling me to go in faith, often it doesn't make sense. I cannot plan for it. I cannot um, store up for it. I cannot try and come up with a good strategy. He's calling me to that which doesn't make sense. You know why? Because it's not logical. It's spiritual. And it's not born out of my capacity, but it's born out of heaven's uh, possibilities that, uh, that shift the impossibilities I find myself in. Uh, it's, it's, when, it's one of those moments can be when we struggle because it doesn't make sense. You know, I don't know if it's happened to you. I can apply it to myself in this one where the Lord has maybe told me to give a certain amount of money to someone else. And I'm like, um, but Lord, you know, I've got to take a couple of things into consideration and break out the calculator and try and formulate it and calculate and see where it's going to fit. And, you know, if I've got this debt to pay and if I've only got this much salary in and I haven't got my order yet from Preacher's Sneakers and, Lord, it's not computing. I, I don't have that sort of money. But he's calling us. It doesn't make sense. But it's something in stepping out and what doesn't make sense that we can see um, the supernatural breaking in which is beyond uh, any form of sense that we could have had. It's the, the, the fullness of heaven breaking in and, and shifting impossibilities because of what's possible with them. And uh, I don't know if that sounds familiar with you, but here's, here's what's happening uh, with Peter. And he's saying, I've caught nothing. Caught nothing there, Lord. You're telling me to drop down the nets. I've caught nothing. Maybe you've been in that place where you've dropped down the nets and you've been trusting for a breakthrough, but you caught nothing. Maybe you're here and you've been praying for healing. You put down the nets caught nothing. Maybe maritally, maritally there's some stress and you've, been, you've gone for counseling into courses and you're saying, Lord, you've got to shift this and you, you put down the nets and there's been nothing caught yet. Maybe you've been trusting for clarity and purpose and direction and where do I turn and where do I go and what's my next moment and you're putting down the nets but you're catching nothing yet. 
And Peter has this transition moment. And he's got to get to the place where he stops calculating. And he's got to get to the place where he says, nevertheless, at your word, as others had done in the Bible. It's a moment like where we see Martha when Lazarus is dead and Jesus arrives and she's got this attitude and she says, if you had been here, if only you had been here, but even now, nevertheless, there's this understanding of who he is. It's the same with Moses standing before the Red Sea and the armies behind him and the Israelites complaining. And he's in that place and he knows that there's no way through, but he declares this, stand and watch the deliverance of our Lord today. It's not, doesn't look possible, but nevertheless. Maybe it's Elijah in the midst of that moment where there's been drought for three and a half years and he knows the rains have to come and he's looking and sending his servant out and he's saying nothing, nothing, nothing and eventually it is just a cloud. It's no typhoon hagibus, just a cloud as small as a man's hand. Can I stop for a second? Is the rugby game on later? Yes, yes I'm going to preach quicker. Um, <laughs> as, as, small, as small as a man's hand, and even though that doesn't look like rain, nevertheless, he says to his servant, tell Ahab, get your chariots moving, the rains are coming. You see, there's something of a, a stirring in the nevertheless at your word that takes you beyond the normal. And there's something about transitioning just from natural expectations to divine fulfillment that happens when we embrace the process of what Jesus is wanting to do. And this is what's happening here. Jesus is starting to, to stir this process of transitioning just from natural expectation, my own senses, my own discouragement, the place that I've been, he's starting to stir him into a place, a place of divine anticipation where you make space for that which what God is wanting to do. And this is the, the process happening here. He's setting Peter up. How, do you, how many of you know that he sets us up because he wants to ambush us? It sounds terrible. He wants to ambush us with his goodness. Yeah. That that's, he sets us up to be ambushed with his goodness. And we see this with Peter. He's in this moment, and Jesus is starting to teach him how to say nevertheless at your word. He's starting to teach him how to engage faith. He's starting to teach him how to launch out. He's starting to teach him how to navigate the deep things. And he's starting to work this all in him because there's a moment coming in his life where he's going to walk. And, and maybe you're in that place where you can no longer walk on your emotions. You can no longer walk on your feelings. You can no longer walk on others' opinions. You can no longer walk on self-comparison. You can no longer walk on others' perspectives of you. You've got to shift out of that place and others' opinions, and you've got to start walking on the Word. Nevertheless, at your Word, and there's something being drilled into him in this moment, because in moments ahead, there's going to be a time that comes where he's going to be in a boat once again, and Jesus is going to be walking past, and he's going to call out to Jesus and say, if it's you, say to me, come, and Jesus is going to say, come, and there's going to be a faith in his heart because of the transition that he's been through, that even though it doesn't make sense to step out on the waters because you'll sink, but he's already known, nevertheless, at the word of Jesus, I can have confidence, and I can step out, see things happen which have never happened happened before. And because Jesus said, come, I can stand and I'm not walking on water, I'm walking on his word. But you see, that's coming because he's embracing the transition. He's embracing the process. You need to embrace the transition and the process that God's doing in your life now so that you can come into the display of that, of what he's wanting to do in the days ahead. Are you embracing that process? Nevertheless, at your word, because we're all walking on something and you've got to choose. What are you choosing to walk on today? As I've said, circumstance and scenarios? Is it feelings and mindsets? Is it relationship? Is it walking on bitterness and offenses and unforgiveness? Hatred in your heart? Because that thing, those can buoy you up for a while. They can hold you up for a while, but they can never hold you up consistently and carry you 
into all that you're called to walk into. Those are temporary solutions. So the second question I want to ask is this. Can you let down your nets even after you've been let down? Can you let down your nets again? Even after you've been let down. I don't know if you've ever pulled an all-nighter like that, like they've been through. You know, I've, I had the opportunity to go out on the water with some friends from Harvest, and I, I had to leave Salt Rock at 2.30 in the morning. I was staying out in Salt Rock, and I got to um, the harbor, or the, the, the launch um, where the, the boat uh, club was, and uh, got there, and we launched at about four in the morning. It was hot. It was in summer. It was in December, um, and you, we were out all day at about midday. I was feeling salty. I was feeling sunburnt. I was feeling windburnt, and we, there was no cabin. We hadn't caught anything. It was just just a horrific experience. You can see I'm getting a bit emotional even talking about it. Um, it was just a, a horrific experience. And I can only imagine Peter being weary and tired and having a whole night of this where Jesus says, I want you to go out again. I want you to go to exactly the place where you've been. I want you to go to where you found that you were discouraged and disappointed, where your hopes were dashed, where you didn't catch that which you needed to catch for your livelihood and your sustenance. I want you to go back to that very place where you were let down, and I want you in that very place, that very same place, to let down your nets again. There's something there that jars, and it's, it's hard to, uh, to respond and have faith rise up in your hearts. But Jesus is saying, I'm taking you back to the very place. I'm going to show you something about what it means to move on the timely, rhema, now word of God. That when it speaks and when you hear and when you allow it to work in you and when you don't just listen, but when you launch off the back of it, you can have confidence to put down your nets because what wasn't available in the natural, all of heaven makes available because you're moving in faith in response to his word. And what happens? They bring in a catch. They bring in a catch. I'm jumping ahead of where I'm meant to be. And so... Can you let down your nets even where you've been let down? So turn to someone and say, let down your nets again. God's saying to some people, I'm just the messenger. He's wanting you to let down nets that have let you down before. But it's going to be a different outcome. It's going to be a different outworking. And uh, he's wanting to stir that courage in our hearts. Here, here's another thing that we can see in the midst of letting down the nets. Here's a beautiful encouragement for us. They had to let down that which was empty. They had to let down that which was empty. Let down the nets. They were empty nets. And here's the thing that we can be encouraged with. Often it's the, the very indicator of where there's emptiness in our lives is the encouragement that we need to get into the deep of God and drop our emptiness. We need a cast out. We need to uh, let our nets drop of emptiness so that we can catch the fullness that he's wanting to bring. Some of us are feeling empty and they're parts of our hearts, parts of our soul, parts of our expectations, and we're keeping it wrapped up. We're keeping it kept up in the boat, and that's not what Jesus is saying. He says, launch out into the deep, let down your nets. Where there's emptiness, that's an indicator that I'm wanting to bring fullness. 
So we need to be encouraged there to uh, let down the nets and get into the deep because the only place you bring in the catch is in the deep. And I love that Ezekiel 47 is this invitation to get in the river of God, not just ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, shoulder deep. He says, get in so deep you can no longer walk, you can only swim. Because it's when we throw ourselves into the deep things of God, when we're feeling out of our depth, that we often feel the closest to Him, the need for Him and our reliance on Him. And that's the place where we can be totally saturated in the fullness of what he's wanting to bring in our lives. And so we needing to be saying, Lord, what is this process of transition? Where I've just been listening, Lord, I want to launch. And I don't just want to launch, but I want to come into the deep of what you have for me. Lord, I want to let down the, the nets, even where I've been let down before and even where I'm feeling empty. I want to let down the nets so that I can bring in the fullness of what you're wanting to do. Lord, I'm wanting to be prepared for that in my life. It continues to say in verse 5, I'll nevertheless at your word, I'll let down the net in verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Here's my encouragement. When you do launch out, don't hold any trust in yourself. Put it all in God. See, here's a moment where we see Simon Peter where it said, cast out the nets, and he cast out the net. If you look, if you're reading New King James from uh, the plural to the singular. And uh, what happened was there was such a catch. He actually had to, and he could have done this earlier because it was meant to not just be for him but for everyone. He had to call the other boat to come in and help and bring in the fish. They brought in what they say would have been two weeks uh, worth of, of um, not wages, but the amount of fish. They brought that in one moment. That's the abundance that came. It said both boats were sinking as they came to shore. When they got there, the crowds were astonished what had happened. You know, you can arrive in that moment and think, look, I've fully arrived. I am the fisherman that you thought I was. Uh, I, I like just saying that. It means a lot to me. I am a fisherman. I am the fisherman that you thought I was. I've uh, showed the credibility for my livelihood. This is just an affirmation. I'm in exactly the right place. No, it's not, because I want to say that uh, in God, favor always positions you for the more. It doesn't just keep you stationary. That's the beauty of what we see with God's favor. And so they arrive on the shore. And let me tell you, what you thought was success before you launch out into the deep with Jesus, let your nets down, might not look like success to you later on. Because before it would have been a, a, a shore full of fish. But now they arrive on the shore and that not, no longer holds them. They've been with Jesus on the boat. And verse 11 says this. After everyone was astonished, it said, So when they had brought their boats to land, they, fors they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and followed him. Can you and I forsake that which has kept us afloat? In our own capacity, our own desires and our own wants so that we can follow after Jesus. That's what's really happening here. They had been with Jesus, and you know what? All that they counted as, as fame and success and wealth, and they, they forsook it all. They let it go. That's what it means in the Greek, because they wanted to follow after Jesus, because they realized that uh, with Him, there's something more, there's something deeper, there's something of that invitation. And that transition had been started in their hearts, and they wanted to pursue it all the way through. I want to just finish by saying this. When we look at Peter, he got to a place where uh, he had been with Jesus. But once again, a moment of despondency came where he denied Jesus three times. And, and uh, we know Jesus went to the cross. And in this place of discouragement, he went back to that which he previously knew. He went back to fishing. He went back to the boat. He went back to that which was convenient, which was comfortable. He climbed into that which was familiar. And he thought, I'm just going to fish again. That's what took place in this moment. But I love what Jesus does. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you said, a feeling I've been fully in before, 
but I'm just feeling so disengaged. I've, I've walked away. Rob was mentioning that a little bit earlier. But here's the beauty. Jesus doesn't just watch from afar. Jesus pitches up on the shore, and it says he's there, and he's making a bra. To me, it's a bra. It's a fire, but it's a bra. It's a fish bra. And he's making a bra, and he's got fish on. And there's something about Peter. He's out in the water again. I, I, I don't know if he caught anything. It doesn't say. Not that I'm aware of. But when he looks to the shore and he can catch the scent of fish in the air. And why is this happening? What's taking place? It's this beautiful picture that we see. That Jesus comes to him again. And what Jesus was saying through this picture is everything you're fishing for, I have for you. Everything you're searching for to give you meaning, I have it here with me. Everything you're looking for to fill that void, I've got the answer. And Jesus is on the shore and brings him to himself, and we know that they are restored. I just want you to stand. I'm going to just pray just as we pray through this thing of transition. I want you to just ask this question as I do pray. Just say, Lord, what area of my life are you transitioning me in? Can you just say that aloud? Lord, what area in my life are you transitioning me in? It might be transitioning you in your thought life. It might be in your spiritual life. It might be emotionally. It might be geographically. It might be in a number of areas. I, I want to encourage you with this. He, he loves you perfectly right where you are. But in his perfect love for you, he always wants to lead you in triumphal procession to the fullness of what he has for you. And so that's why we embrace this transition. It doesn't only bring you into breakthrough, it brings others into breakthrough as well. So let that question just resound in your heart. And now I want to pray. Lord, I just thank you that we get to stand here as a people who are on the move. I thank you that we're not stationary, but that your kingdom is always advancing. I thank you that you have purposes for us, and we're meant to be moving because we are being chased, as your word says, by your, your mercy and goodness of following after us as we start to move. I thank you, Lord, that you set ambushes of your goodness up for us. Lord, I pray that you would cause us not only to be those who listen, but those that launch. And I pray that there will be a launching forth by, from those who just apply faith to what they've heard. And I thank you that you call us into the deep, Lord. I thank you that there's deeper things, there's more, there's greater measures that no limitation can be placed in you and that the miraculous happens under the surface of our faith. And I thank you that you call us into the deep where we cannot walk, but we have to be totally saturated and swim in you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us courage. Give us courage once again to let down our nets, to let down our nets where we've been let down to let down our nets where we feel empty. And I thank you, Spirit of God, that as we move in response to the word of God that all of heaven is activated to move in response to do that which you've said you're wanting to do. And so we just thank you for a fullness right now. I declare fullness over individuals and us corporately here together in accompaniment with your word as we choose not just to hear it, but to lean into experiencing it in full. And I thank you for testimonies that will come of that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.